0: welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. So good to be with you today. So glad you're here. In fact, why don't you just look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here today. That's right. That's right. We are so glad and we are grateful for you. Hey, I do want to mention something as I get started. I want to give some added emphasis to our day of prayer, night of worship coming up. Uh, It's happening in 10 days from now. And so this is something you definitely need to be thinking about. First of all, I just wanna make the statement that prayer and worship are best friends, right? They like to hang out together. And so we like to put them together in times like this where we are praying and we are worshiping. And we wanna be a church that actually wants to do this. You know what I'm saying? We don't wanna grit our way through prayer and worship. We want to want to, you know what I'm saying? Like we wanna want to be a people of prayer and a people who love to worship because God is worthy to receive all of our praise, all of our glory. And so we've been praying as well. We pray because we believe prayer is the pathway to God's presence, the doorway to his power. So we're going to continue to lean into prayer. And we do prayer. Amen, by the way. And so we lean into prayer uh, often. We do days of prayer, three days of prayer, seven days of prayer, 24-7 prayer. We do all types of prayer. And we just want to be able to say to you that, listen... This is something that's worth making time for, worth making a commitment to. So a couple things. One, everyone in the room, we really wanna encourage you to be joining us for our night of worship. That's at seven o'clock. We're gonna be in here, plenty of room. You can invite a friend. You can, have, you can invite a lot of friends. And we want to just come together and just give him praise. And I think it's gonna be a powerful night. But I also wanna encourage you to be a part of the day of prayer. We always have a lot of people a part of our nights of worship, not as many a part of prayer, which is something I think we can grow in as a church. And so I would encourage you to consider how can you be a part of it that day? Maybe that's, we're going to open the building. There's two ways you can do this. We're going to open the building, the whole building. We've done this before. It's kind of set up like our prayer room. Our prayer room's available. Sanctuary's available. You can come and pray. We encourage you to set aside a time, about of an hour, to come and do that if you can. We understand that not everybody can come up here and pray. So we're going to give you next week a prayer guide. um, And that way, no matter where you're at, you can pray anywhere. Uh, but you can unite in prayer that day. So we do have some things we want to be praying for as a church that will be in the prayer guide. Um, but really, I would just say there's something about coming up here. If you can make it up here, I think you should. If, if you can't, we understand. So pray wherever you're at. Use the prayer guide. And then come to be a part of night of worship. All right? So is that enough added emphasis? Yes. Yes. So much emphasis is pronounced emphasis, right? Here we go. Um, let's pray together once again before we get into today's message father we pray that as we take time now to open our heart to you that god each and every person would truly do that today thank you for worship and how it opens our heart to you and lord i just pray that as we give this word today that it's 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 truly from you so holy spirit would you come and would you move in your name we pray amen i want to begin with a story all right so Several years ago, I was leading a summer camp, and at this particular camp, we had so much gear that we had to pack up and bring with us just to put on this camp that we rented the biggest U-Haul you could possibly get. So the biggest U-Haul that existed, we got it. We filled it to the brim with gear. And... We had an amazing week, but it's an exhausting week. Summer camp, that particular camp, the one that I'm talking about is one of the most exhausting camps ever. So the camp ends, we load everything back into this U-Haul. It's filled to the brim. And I'm telling you, we were tired. We were worn out. Amazing week, but we were so done. Everybody on the team that was leading with me was like burnt toast, you know what I'm saying? Like we were just done. Like we were literally weary And all we could think about was rest. So this U-Haul is literally packed up, and we have just a few things left to get. We're 10 minutes away from leaving. No joke. And the guy who's driving the U-Haul makes a very important decision. He decides to take the U-Haul off the road and down to the wreck field, which are um, where our few extra tubs that we had left were sitting. And he said, I'm going to go down there and make it easier. And I'm going to drive down off the road. It'll be easier. We'll have to carry those storage tubs up to the road. Now I just want to ask, how many of you ever made a decision that you thought would be make things easier, but all it did was make things harder? Are you all with me? So my friend drives down on this field and all of a sudden I hear a big crash like all this gear hitting against the walls of the truck. So I run down to the field and I quickly see what, he's, what my friend has done. My friend had drove the truck over a little hill. It was like a little berm. I think that's the word, a little berm. And wham, he high centers. I actually wanted to get you guys to see this through my eyes. So I took the time on Friday to draw this on my whiteboard. And I took a picture of my whiteboard. A <laughs> couple things to notice. First of all, <laughs> first of all, that's some fine-tuned art skills right there, right? I've been called the Picasso of preaching. <laughs> I think that's a thing, right? People say that, right? I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. But nonetheless, the second thing I want you to notice is, is the berm, right? It wasn't very big but the road is over there and the tubs are over there. And this is what my friend did. He's no longer my friend. I'm just kidding. He's a good dude. He just bad U-Haul driver. Did I mention we were exhausted? Right. Did I mention we were weary? Did I mention we were ready to go home? How many you know that when you get a U-Haul stuck on a berm, you're not going anywhere. Right. That U-Haul was what you call high centered. You ever tried to un-high center a U-Haul? I literally went to my knees in desperation, like, Lord, I have no idea how this thing is going to get off of this berm. <laughs> I'm just going to say berm as many times as possible. <laughs> well, we get to this place in life, I think, often, but here's the thing. I'll give you the quick story of what happens. Um, somehow the neighbor, we were in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, and somehow the neighbor had this. Literally, literally military grade kind of vehicle that lifted this thing up, <laughs> spun it around in midair, by, mind you, and set it back down where all four wheels are back on, on the ground. But this took a long time. Now, how many know that the effort and resources that it takes to get off of high center is way more than simply walking down to the field and getting those six tubs and walking them back up to the road? You know what I'm talking about? So what is my point? Well, I believe there's a little bit of a practical lesson in this story for us today. Um, My point is that when you are weary, when you are weary in life, you begin to look for shortcuts and you begin to stray off the road and the smallest little hindrance, the smallest little hill, it will be too much for you and you'll end up high centering your faith And you'll get that feeling of being stuck. I mean, I I feel like I've seen that story in faith so many times, unable to go forward, backwards. You're spinning your wheels, but you're not really getting any traction. You're spending a lot of energy, but you're not really going anywhere. And you find yourself feeling weary, tired, perpetual state of unrest, but unwilling and unable, if you will, to make progress. To see any movement in your life, and so you end up disappointed, exhausted, and wondering how you feel or how you get unstuck. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So many of us get in this place in our life, and and maybe you're there in some ways, maybe you're making progress, and that's fantastic, but I still think that all of us can relate to this idea of, man, I just really want, I really want to have the ability to not feel so exhausted, to not feel so tired, to not feel like I'm always busy, to not feel this perpetual state of just, I'm spinning my wheels and I'm not getting the traction that I really want to get. There's something that keeps, we keep running into, if you will. So here's what I want to do today and for the next few weeks. I feel like we need to continue to slow down. I really want us to stop consider what we're talking about through this series. Now we're in week five and I said back in week week one that rest is not an external activity, it is an internal condition. Meaning we make rest an external exercise but God makes it an internal condition. We think rest is a day off or a vacation or a day on the couch. All good things, part of rest. But God says rest is a lot more. He wants to give us rest for our weary souls. Come to me all who are weary and have burden, and I will give you rest for your weary soul is what Jesus says. So are you even, we're, we're five weeks in. Have you even slowed down enough to consider, to consider anything different about your life? Have you thought, maybe I should change some things in order to enter into God's rest? Most of us agree with the ideas, but we don't actually slow down. So I'm telling you, I want us to slow down. Because a lot of us, have we've gotten our faith high-centered, and you've tried to take the shortcut, and it's backfired and you found yourself kind of like I did in that moment where you just all of a sudden it's another gut punch, it just takes you to your knees. And so there's two things that I want to say just as we get into this, and we're gonna read some passages here. But one, you gotta stay on the road that God has for you. That's number one. And number two, you gotta slow down and pay attention to what you're doing because you might, you might end up wrecking yourself. The two the, the road, if you will. Let's just kind of picture this as God's narrow path, right? His road to life, his road to rest. I want to continue this conversation about rest for the weary by slowing down in a way in which we just look at one short passage over the next three weeks. And so it comes out of 1 Thessalonians 5.16, and it says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Most of you have heard this, but let's just say it. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is it. This is what I want to talk about for the next few weeks. A culture in a culture of fast pace, let's get slow. In a culture of shortcuts, we're going to walk to where we need to go instead of drive. So Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, just so you know, and he mentions this idea right in this passage about God's will God's will. So you can picture God's will as if it is this picture of a road that we're supposed to be on. Obviously my U-Haul getting off the road and heading towards a trap. We can get off of that path easily. Well, the road that we're supposed to stay on God's will he wants you to stay on. Well, it's rejoice. Always pray, continually give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, there's more that Jesus says about his will, but people get all stressed out about God's will, don't they? They're like, I don't know what what job I'm supposed to take, what house I'm supposed to buy, what church I'm supposed to go to. We all know God's will is for you to be in this church. (laughs) Just kidding. All churches are great. God's will, though, is less about the big decisions we make in life, and it's more about what 1 Thessalonians writes about right here. It's not. I mean, does he give us? Does he give us instruction about um, his assignment that he has for us in life? Yes. Does he call us to particular things, at particular times? Yes. Of course he does. However, in most circumstances, what you're going to see is the will that we need to be thinking about is more about our character and the things that God calls us to be, and our priorities in life. So things like rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks become more important than about what job you take. And it's not only these things, these three things, this isn't like the summary of God's will, but I thought I'd just slow down and at least talk about these three. So I'm convinced, and I'm I'm sure you would be too if you thought about it, I'm convinced that a life that struggles to rejoice or a life that avoids prayer or a life that lacks gratitude, it's going to end up in a life that is unrested and weary. We're off the road and we're running into berms, if you will. We're getting stuck because we don't do the simplest things that God says, this is my will for you. I think instead of rejoicing, we're ranting, right? Instead of rejoicing. We're procrastinating instead of praying. We're looking for thanks instead of giving thanks. See, these are the things we do. So we're gonna slow down and talk about the first part of this passage. The very first two words, rejoice always. In order to rest, we're gonna to have to learn how to rejoice. Look at your neighbor and say, rejoice. Yes. Now say, so you can rest. Yes. Rejoice so you can rest. I'm I'm talking I'm not talking about the generic general kind of rejoicing. I'm not talking about, you know, the Christianese rejoicing. I'm not talking about, you know, the plastic smile on your face. Everything's good. You stub your toe and you say hallelujah, praise the lord. Yeah, yeah thank goodness for that stubbing, lord. You did you have a purpose in it. Like that's not what I'm talking about. The word rejoice though does elicit emotion in our minds. Like we think Rejoicing is excited or rejoicing is glad or rejoicing is happy or rejoicing is joyful. Yet I know for a lot of us, we, we struggle to really feel those things day in and day out. We don't always feel glad. We don't always feel celebratory or excited or, or whatever. And since rejoicing elicits a emotional, if you will, consideration, I have a little silly exercise for us that I want you to do. Uh, I want you to choose, I have five emojis on the screen here. I want you to choose the one that that represents your rejoicing quotient lately. All right? Your rejoicing quotient lately, is it one, two, three, four, or five? Just pick one. You're not telling anybody. This is just between you and you. (laughs) All right? Like, which one is you? One, two, three, four, or five when it comes to rejoicing lately? You got it? Now here's what I would say about this little exercise. It's no matter what emoji you gave yourself, no matter if you are a overflowing bucket of rejoicing or you are an empty well. Like today I want to clarify something that rejoicing is not an emotion. We want to scale it like this, but rejoicing is not a fe- it, it, rejoicing certainly affects our feelings. It's it, it it's associated with our emotions. But we have to understand that at its root It's not an emotion. So this emoji exercise is kind of irrelevant, right? Because it's not about how you feel. It's about what you repeat. That's what rejoicing is. Rejoice. Always. It's about repeating joy. It's rejoice. Rejoy. Right? Repeating joy in our hearts. Repeat the sounding Joy, repeat the sounding joy. I say it again, repeat, repeat, right? Christmas is coming. You ever, you ever thought about those words though? Repeat. Philippians 4.4 4 says the same thing. It repeats the same thing. It says rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. I'm going to repeat it again. I got to say it again. Rejoice. It's not an irregular beat. It's, it's, like, it's like a song. It's like a rhythm. It's like a melody. It's like, tsk, tsk, that kind of thing, right? It just keeps going. It's like, it's something like that. It just keeps going. It doesn't, there's the beat just keeps happening. It's like, I'm just saying, it's something like that. It's not an irregular, it's not an irregular beat. It's not an irregular beat. It's a regular beat. It's a repeated action. It, ne- it doesn't skip a beat. It just keeps going. It's something that you keep doing. We rejoice always. It's not something that like, oh, man, I'm in the dump. I'm down in the dumps today, so I better go rejoice. It's not a circumstantial thing, right? It's not a thing in which you go, oh, man, I, I talked to, my- talk to Christy and say, Christy, you know, it's been a minute since we rejoiced. Maybe we should do that next week. It's not, it's not that kind of thing. No, we rejoice Always, we don't rejoice in our circumstances, we rejoice in the Lord, yet so many of us are really only rejoicing in our circumstances. Therefore, when times are good, we are pretty good at rejoicing. But when times are bad, we really are terrible at rejoicing. You see, the Lord is always worthy of rejoicing, no matter the circumstance. We all have seasons of mourning and grieving and lamenting And suffering and rejoicing is an opposite of those things. Sometimes we put grieving on one end of the spectrum and rejoicing on the other end of the spectrum. And we act as if they're polar opposites. But here's the thing. What Jesus does is Jesus says, you know what? Those things can come together. You can mourn and you can grieve and you can rejoice at the same time. Because even though you're mourning and grieving loss in your circumstances or in your relationship, you can always rejoice in me because I'm the one that tells you that not all is lost. I'm the one that tells you that you still have hope no matter your circumstance. And so we rejoice in the Lord because Jesus is present in our life. Are you with me? Amen? So without Jesus, our circumstances would be too much. That's why we rejoice. And I believe many of us, we've been grieving, grieving from the last year and a half where we've lost so much through a pandemic and we're lamenting at our struggle through it. But as Americans, we're really bad at grieving and we are very inexperienced at lamenting. So we look for a shortcut to grief and loss and suffering. And we drive off the road and we slam into berms and we high center our faith. This is what happens when things aren't going perfect. Guess what? We don't rejoice always anymore, do we? So let's talk about this. All right. I want to press into one thought to help us rejoice always. Just one. So pay attention. Don't miss it because I only have one point. I have one point. You guys know me. I don't have a lot of points anyway. <laughs> but I have one point to this message. And it's just simply this. You can't choose to rejoice. You can only choose your priorities. And let's, I want to talk about it because how many of you heard someone say, hey, you need to choose Joy. Maybe you've seen it on like, you know, one of those home decor signs next to the no fussing and no cussing sign. <laughs> choose joy. <laughs> I get it, it's a good sentiment and there is some truth in it. However, it's not a choice like at lunch, you're gonna have water, you're gonna have iced tea, you're gonna have some Coca-Cola classic. You don't get to just, dis- I mean, it's not a choice like that. It, it, you, don't, you don't wake up in the morning and, and say, you know, okay, what am I gonna choose today? Am I gonna choose to be weary, depressed, or rejoicing you don't it doesn't feel like that right it's not the way it works you don't just like someone who's depressed doesn't wake up and say that's what I'm going to choose you can't just choose to rejoice every day in fact if you do wake up trying to make the choices to rejoice every day you're actually going to get worn out in that pursuit of rejoicing because all you want to do is pursue a feeling and I've already told you that rejoicing isn't a feeling it's a matter of what you repeat and so if you're chasing a feeling you're gonna get weary Rejoicing isn't like, well, let me say it this way. (laughs) Rejoicing is like trying to be knowledgeable. You can't choose to be knowledgeable, can you? You're either knowledgeable as a result of years of prioritizing learning, or you are not knowledgeable after years of prioritizing video games. (laughs) I'm talking to somebody. Jesus sees you right where you are with that headset on and all that stuff. You're 40. Move on. (laughs) That wasn't in my notes, y'all. I need to get back. Knowledge is a matter of priority. You can't choose joy. Rejoicing is an internal condition that is a result of your priority. It's about what root ro- ro- what road you choose to walk on and stay on. Check this out. Psalm 16:5 verse verses 5 through 11. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You see that the Lord the Lord is my chosen cup. In other words, Jesus is better than Coca-Cola Classic, right? I drink Jesus. He's my cup. He's what I choose. He's, his will is what I want. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance, which is great news. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. And then catch this. I have set the Lord always before me, meaning he's my priority. He's always my priority. I set the Lord always, there's that word always, rejoice always. I set the Lord always before me. Often we aren't focused on what's before us, do do we? We focus on what's beside us. We're like, oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? Oh, what did they say? What did they say? Oh, I'm on the scroll and now I'm angry and now I'm sad and now I'm happy. And so, so we, we allow what's going on beside us to control us more than what's in front of us. And so our priority is here instead of there. And we're says, and what it says in the scriptures is that we're supposed to set our eyes on Jesus, that he's before us. But so many times we're thinking about what's behind us or what's beside us. And here's the deal. We don't live in regret and we don't live in comparison but when the Lord is our priority, and we set before us something happens. Check this out. Because He's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. No wrecks, no berms, no high sinners. Therefore, because I set Jesus before me, because I set the Lord before me, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. It's a byproduct of my priority the benefits of the decision of the Lord being always before me is that he's going to allow my my whole being to rejoice. Many tend to think that prioritizing the Lord is going to cost us something. And the truth is, it does cost us something. But when we try and do a cost-benefit analysis, it becomes a little tricky. But the truth is, when we follow the Lord, even though it will certainly costs us something. Paul says it this way. He says, but I count all things lost compared to knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. Nothing's even, there's no comparison. So the benefit far outweighs the cost. Let's keep reading. He says, my body also will rest secure. Okay, so now we're talking about rest and he's talking about the body. Even my body isn't weary. It's rested. Why? Why? Because I chose the Lord as my cup, I set his ways before me. He's what I drink. For you will not, and then he goes on in verse 10, for you will not abandon my soul to the realm of the dead or let your Holy One see corruption. What's he saying? He's saying, not only do I care about your body, but I care about your soul. I care about it from now until eternity. You know what? I'm not even going to leave your soul in an unrested place. I'm going to bring you into my rest, into my eternal, into my relationship. I'm not going to leave you to eternal separation in hell. I'm actually going to bring you into my kingdom. Verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. Here we are talking about the road again. You'd almost think like this message was planned. (laughs) You make known to me the path of life. The road, help me know the road that you want me to. What's your will, Lord? Because in your presence, there is the fullness of joy. It's in God's presence, right? Not in advantageous circumstances, but it's in his presence that there is joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Now listen, we can prioritize the Lord and still struggle. I get that. I get that. It's not always like, oh, I, I put the Lord before me, yet and now everything's perfect. I get it. There's still struggle. But I'm just telling you, this is about what you repeat. This passage is so, 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 so good. And David begins by saying, the Lord is my chosen cup. He is my priority. Because once again, you can't choose joy. You can only choose your priorities. So I got to ask you, what are you always doing? What are you always doing? What is on repeat in your life? What's the steady beat, the steady rhythm? What am I always thinking about? These are your priorities. The things that you always do, the things that you always think about and want and repeat in your life. You ever put a song on repeat? I mean, I always get a new song and I just put it on repeat. I just play it. Like right now there's a song called Miracle in the Works. I'm just, I'm playing it a lot and I love it. Because the things that are on repeat are really important to you, aren't they? What's on repeating in your life are the things that you care about. You see, when I give the wrong things priority in my life, then those priorities begin to control my joy. You see, whatever your priority is controls your joy. So if, I, if my priority is affirmation, and I'm always looking for affirmation, well then, guess what? When I get affirmed, I feel joyful. I can rejoice. But when I don't get affirmed guess what happens? I get sad, I get depressed, I get hurt, I get weary, I feel defeated. If your priority is self-protecting instead of loving others, well, that priority causes you, right, to feel satisfied when you protect your time, when you protect your possessions, when you protect yourself from um, people interfering with your life. And so you get angry when people disrupt your self-fully protected Agenda, schedule, time, priority. Someone calls you at the wrong time. Someone shows up at your house. Someone asks you to do something outside of your selffully protected schedule. See, This is a problem, by the way, in today's world, right? God has given us so much, yet we overprotect ourselves. And he says, I just want you to use what I've given you, but you just keep protecting what I've given you. Anyway, that's another message for another day. But it'll be a good one when we get there. (laughs) what's on repeat is important that's why i believe the practices we have here as a church are important we repeat a lot of practices here don't we and here's the thing i really do believe coming to church in a corporate setting like this is really important on sundays i believe it's important and a lot of the world right now is acting like it's not that important like you can just go get church any way you want to get it and i'm just saying it's it's not that god's god's word has made the gathering of the believers a priority and, and, and when we don't live in rhythm with this and when we think, oh, it's okay to just show up whenever it's convenient or whenever I just show up once or twice, oh, I came last week, I can skip this week. And then, and then we just, we keep justifying in our mind, like, I don't have to be here every week. What I'm saying is, no, no, no. What you're saying is I don't prioritize this every week. I don't prioritize something that God said is a priority. Listen, I'm not, I'm not coming at anybody. I'm just saying what the word says. And I'm just saying, like, I believe that the reason that we, we are messed up and we are, we, are, we, we got our priorities out of whack when it comes to our money or relationships, when it comes to the commitments that we make in life, we're not making the kind of priorities that Jesus says to make. He says, hey, I give you a will and I give you a road to stay on and you keep going off and trying to do your own thing. And that's why you're getting wrecked. That's why you're getting high centered. That's why you're getting stagnant. That's why you're getting all these things where you feel like all wheels are off the ground and you're just spinning, making no progress. Guess what? If you would get back on my road, I might actually take you where you wanna go. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, right? I'm just saying we make it really hard, but God said, hey, there's some things that I want you to repeat in life. The things that you put on repeat in your life matter. If the only thing we repeat is work, what does that say about your life? You can prioritize work, but it cannot be your only priority. If Netflix is more on repeat than time with the Lord, what does that say about your life? If complaining and getting angry is on more on repeat than praising and encouraging, I mean, I'm just being real. That is, that is so true. Then what is it saying about our life? Do you have a routine of rest that's on repeat? So many people are like, man, I need, I need rest. But you don't even routinely rest. Do you have a daily time of prayer where you give praise to God? So your heart can begin to rejoice. What are you always doing? Yeah. Are you resting in the Lord? Are you setting His ways before you? Are your eyes set on Jesus? Are you Are you guarding yourself from too much social media? I mean, these it goes both ways, right? You gotta. There's so many things that like what what's on repeat in your life. Now. Before you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good on this. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Really consider this. Because it's easy to slough off important questions about your life with the assumption that the question is for someone else. I'm telling you, it's not. It's for you. And it's for me. What's our priority? What's the things that really is the heartbeat, the drumbeat, the consistent beat in our life that doesn't skip a beat? You see, so many of us, we live off of heritage, our Christian heritage, and off of our beliefs, but we don't prioritize his ways. I mean, the gospel calls us to a lot, guys, and the gospel is no joke. And I don't know how many of us, if we just, if we just we slip off that road and, it, and we just find ourselves stuck and we don't realize, no, 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 it's time. It's time to get back to the things that God has called us to that we take for granted that are the simple things like rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. So yeah, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. You know, there's a, there's a guy, um, his name is James Moffat, and he, he writes about this particular passage. Now, Moffat is a uh, great biblical scholar from the early 20th century. And this is what he said about 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18. And then we're going to be done. He says, to comment adequately on these diamond drops would be to outline a history of Christian experience in the highest levels. (laughs) In other words, this is Tim Mannon's version of what he said. It don't get more important than this. I love what he said. These diamond drops outline the highest levels of Christian experience. Some people are just smarter than me and he's one of them. But when we rejoice in the Lord always, when we pray continually we give thanks in all circumstances these are the diamond drops of our Christian life the things that we have to stay on that road that we have to repeat so here's the thing that I was thinking about like I kind of got to the end of this and I was thinking I didn't really tell people how to rejoice and I said, no no, no I did because how many of you know that rejoicing is really about prioritizing it's about what you prioritize Rejoice always. Emphasis, emphasis on the always. See, I think a lot of times when I think about rejoice always, I try to emphasize rejoicing. And this week, I just was like, no, it's about always. Anybody can rejoice. But who can rejoice always? So I will say this. Rejoicing in Christ is only possible when Jesus is in you. Jesus has to be your priority. I can't tell you to go rejoice if you don't have anything to rejoice about. So I have a few questions I'm gonna throw on the screen to bring some closure to this message. First one is this, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Is he is really the priority number one? And I say this with all sincerity, like you really should ask yourself that question. There's no more important human question than this one right here. Like, have I made Jesus the Lord of my life? The scriptures say that Jesus said, hey, the only way to the Father, the only way to heaven, the only way to God is through me, is through Jesus. Where we, and it says, will you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Will you believe that God is who he said he was, that God raised him from the dead? If you believe that Jesus is the son of God, it says that you can be saved. And so we use that word salvation to describe what it means to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And you just have to ask yourself, are you 100% certain that you've given your life to Jesus? Have you you confessed Jesus as Lord? Have you committed to his ways? Have you said, that's the path of life that I'm going to follow from here on? Have you set the Lord before you as your priority? It's a really important decision for every person to make. Second second question is how can you reprioritize your faith? And I I say this to anybody who's a Christian in the room, those of you who have said yes to Jesus, those who are actively following Jesus, what do you need to do to reprioritize and set the Lord before you in a fresh way? Maybe it's the repeating practice thing and you have to consider, you know, what am I really repeating? You know, are you repeating church the way you should repeat church and doing all the things we do here in, in the right a kind of rhythm and routine are you repeating a community or or prayer of course or just even the way you serve and love other people are these things like streaky or are they or they consistent patterns in your life and are you resting in the lord see there's so many things that we could talk about we could talk about your money we could talk about your time we could talk about there's a lot of things we could talk about that you have to say am i prioritizing the lord in these things and that's why i just put it to you if you had to answer that question how can you reprioritize how can you reprioritize your faith What would you say? And then question three do you need help with anything? You're like, what does that mean? It means, listen, we're here for there's nothing more important to us as a church than that we would come together and help one another live this life. And if you're in a place where you need help, you you need healing, you're hurting, you're struggling, you are you're at the end of your rope, you don't need to do it alone. We don't have all the answers. We're just humans just like you, but we want to join with you in that. And so if you need help, that's where our prayer team comes in. That's where our pastors come in. That's where our church comes in, A community comes in, and we come around you and we start supporting you and we start walking with you because that road isn't supposed to be walked alone. And so if you need help with something, we really encourage you to let us know. We don't know what we don't know, but you can help us know it. So I wanna to pray together and then, uh, and then we're gonna worship and have a time of response up here at the front um, for prayer team and if you wanna come and pray at the altar this time will be open as we sing but would you pray with me right now would you just bow your heads you know if you want I wanna invite anyone in the room to consider that question number one if you've, have you ever made Jesus the Lord of your life is he the priority of your life have you said yes to God have you surrendered your life to God Really consider that. There's nothing more important than this question. And I want you to hear that God loves you. God has you here today for a reason. God is telling you this right now in His heart. He's, he, if He's speaking to your heart right now, it's for a reason. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. Every one of us, we all need God's salvation. We all need God's love in our life. We need to be saved from our sin and our mistake. We need to confess that, Lord, to our, to our Lord, that we, we need him in our life. And the only way, the only way that happens is when we make the choice to surrender to Jesus Lord, to make him our priority and our Lord and to commit to following his ways. And if you wanna do that today, I just wanna lead you in a prayer. It's just a simple prayer, but it's not, it's just a prayer of, of, of faith. It's a prayer of surrender. right where you're at, you can just whisper this prayer. You can just repeat what I say as an act of salvation, as an act of surrender. But you got to mean it with everything you got. So just pray this prayer to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper that prayer to him if you want to make this official today, if you want to get the doubts off the table, if you want to quit struggling in this decision about about where you're at with the Lord, if you just want to be like, Lord, I want to be your in your family. I want to be in your kingdom. Just say Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper that. Jesus, I give me a lot, give me my life. And then the Bible says that we need to confess. And so just say this. Say, I confess that I've sinned and I ask for forgiveness. I confess that I've sinned and I ask for forgiveness. And then you're making a commitment right now. You're committing to him. You're not going to be perfect. There's going to be a lot of times when you veer off the road there's gonna be a lot of times when you're trying to figure it out but at the same time it can be a commitment that's heartfelt and you just say this you say and i commit to following your ways i commit to following your ways just say that prayer to him and then close by just saying thank you jesus for saving me thank you jesus for saving Everybody's heads bowed. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do something kind of courageous. Just just really just so you can acknowledge to the Lord that you just had a moment with him. But if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? No one's looking around. Even as I count to three, when I say three, just lift your hand. One, two, three. Just lift your hand. I see you. I see a few people. No one else looking around but me. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for doing that. I'm proud of you. God, thank you for those who are making commitments commitment to you right now. Would you seal this moment? May they know beyond any shadow of a doubt that, Lord, you love them and that you have saved them. In a moment, I want to invite anyone up here to come forward for prayer. You can come and pray at this altar. You can come pray with our prayer team if you need help if you want to reprioritize some things and today's the day you want to do all those things, just come up here and just respond that way. You can, of course, do it in your chair, but if you feel the need to step out, I think I would encourage you to do it. Come forward. God, we love you. We thank you. And we pray all these things that you're doing today in your name. Amen. Would you all stand with us? Ben's going to lead us in a song and our prayer team is here and this altar is open.